listening to the Arsenal Ramble. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Ramble. Today we're going to be discussing the two-all draw versus Liverpool at Anfield. To help me discuss this one, I'm joined by my co-rambler Dom. How are you, buddy? You all right? Uh, I'm in kind of two minds about how I'm feeling, really. I'm just trying to compartmentalise what I've just watched and uh, there's so much to digest from this game. So I'm glad that we're able to do this podcast and talk it through because, you know, the amount of match events that could have swung either way in this game is just incredible. But uh, overall, it's not too bad for an Easter Sunday. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm echoing the same, to be fair. I think it's going to be one of those podcasts where we sort of use it just to help us compartmentalise it all and, and try and make ourselves feel a little bit better because we're getting so sucked into this title race. We've got to try and look at it from a holistic point of view and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can sort of feel a little bit, a little bit better at the end of it. But to, to start off with, should, should we go through the, the team sheets? And um, because it's sort of as we were expecting, really, wasn't it? Um, I think the only sort of question mark was, is Saliba going to be fit? Um, but as we've seen in the in the training pitches, the, we haven't really seen him. Uh, so we don't know if he's trained. And, you know, Rob Holden started in this game. So was this something that... You were worried about coming into the game or was you fairly optimistic having seen his recent performances for the Arsenal? Yeah, well, I like many Arsenal fans as well. Um, this week, I've been kind of holding a shred of hope that we might have a surprise appearance from Saliba. Most notably mm. after Arteta gave that little interview yesterday saying that, um, oh, there's there's one player that potentially might be training, but I'm not going to let you know who it is and might be in contention. And then that sent everyone into a, a crazy whirlwind of that means Saliba's back, that means Saliba's playing. And then I even saw people cropping pictures of the training photo saying, this definitely looks like Saliba's leg in one of the photos. And it, it was crazy, just this this storm of the maybe having holding a shred of hope that Saliba might be back. But I do think, you know, if Saliba had come back for maybe one training session, then it's not enough to be able to start away at Anfield really especially after an injury he needs to get back up to speed so I, I was more than expecting holding to start this game and after as we say the the last couple of games that he's played he's been pretty solid throughout those performances so he's he's got his chance to start here and I thought you know you've just got to, you've got to trust in him and uh, hopefully he performs well. Yeah, I, th I think this was probably the exact starting lineup that I thought it would be. To be fair, um, I guess the only other little one was was is Trossard going to play? Because um, you know he's played really well against Liverpool uh, when he played um, for Brighton. I think he scored or at least contributed to three goals, didn't he? In that three-all draw. Um, so you know, is he going to play? Is he going to be able to provide something similar in this fixture? But for me, Martinelli is just, you want him, don't you? He's direct and pacey and running at Trent Alexander-Arnold. That is exactly what he doesn't want. Um, I'm not saying Trossard can't do that, but Martinelli's got that and some, you know what I mean? So um, it was certainly a matchup that I wanted to see. And he's, and he's also played well against Trent in the past as well. So um, it made perfect sense to me to, to keep uh, Martinelli 
over on the left instead of Trossard. I guess he could he can play anywhere across that front three, can't he, Trossard? So um, it's not just Martinelli's position that's sort of for grabs, is it? Yeah, yeah, that, <clears throat> that's one thing that I was going to say is that yes, Trossard would be perfect to play in this sort of game because he's performed so well at Anfield over the last few seasons for Brighton. Um, but you look at those front three positions and you know <laughs> none of them are really up for swapping, are they? You, you can't take Saka out of the team because he's been our best player this season. Jesus, he's just come back and he's just come off a, a game where he's scored twice and performed really well. And then Martinelli, he has the potential to expose the likes of Alexander-Arnold on that left side. Um, and, you know, he's been such a great goal threat for us in recent games. So there's there's no way that you can even shoehorn Trossard into that team without potentially weakening us. So I was happy with the the starting lineup, And um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what I expected as well. Yeah. OK, let's get into the game then. Um, and it was another quick start for the Arsenal, just like in the, the previous home fixture at the Emirates. We get off to um, an early lead uh, on the eighth minute. Um, Saka sort of just sort of pops out on the line, doesn't he? And, and causes Robertson to uh, have to change direction really, really quick. And um, that's caused him to slip over. Saka then drives with the ball Um Spills the ball out to, to Martinelli. I think Odegaard gets a little touch on the way in as well. Um, and a clever run, and he just sort of gets a tiny little nick on it, doesn't he, just to take it past Allison. And again, it was just the perfect start for Arsenal, away away from home. And yeah, it was just um, a brilliant little finish from, from Martinelli again. Yeah, I, I think this goal was mainly created um, by, well, one, Saka's movement and then two, Liverpool started to back off and give him that space, which you absolutely can't do to Bakaya Saka. If he's running down that channel, you, you have to get tight to him, you have to get close to him. But they they gave him a little bit of space and he, he took that and he, he accelerated through. And I think there was a little bit of yeah. good fortune with how the ball actually fell to Martinelli in the first place, how it mm. nicked its way through. But as you say, Odegaard got a a tiny touch on it to help it on its way. Um, and then, yeah, you did think that the ball was going to get gobbled up by Allison, which he, he normally has a bit more of a uh, advanced starting position, as we see from Ramsdale as well. But um, yeah, Martinelli got there first. And it was it was a really nice, cute finish, wasn't it? Just to let it nestle in the bottom left-hand corner. And then you're thinking, we've done it again against Liverpool. We're, we've, we've raced into a 1-0 uh, lead and uh, all things are rosy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, these early fi- these early goals, I should say, um, are really crucial in these big fixtures because it really can put the the dampener on the uh, the opposition. And um, that's kind of exactly what we did. We just sort of kept building on that dominance um, in the in the first half, and eventually um, we we got the second. Uh, I think it was twenty minutes later. Um, Jesus. Goal headed goal. Uh, Martelli does does Trent the op- the opposition the opposite side. Sorry, uh, full back. This time Trent gets beat by um, Martinelli, who puts an absolutely perfect cross on Jesus's head, uh, right in between the two centre backs, and um, finishes brilliantly. And we sort of asserted our dominance and, and confidently got the two goals. Um, that we thoroughly deserved in that opening 30 minutes. So, yeah, another brilliant goal for Arsenal there. 
Yeah, this is something that we've come accustomed to as, as football fans is that Alexander-Arnold, his defensive side of the game does lack when his offensive side of the game is, is quite superior. Um, and yeah, in this moment, he, he is quite lazy with his defending. He lets Martinelli get the run on him. Um, and it's a great, greatly timed ball uh, just to send Martinelli down the left. And as you say, the the ball in was superb to just get it right between the two centre-backs where mm. Jesus was stood. Uh, you'd feel like normally a ball that's floated into the area against the likes of Kunate and Van Dijk, Jesus wouldn't have a chance at getting a header. Um, but yeah, the, the ball was absolutely deserving of the goal. And yeah, Jesus, he finishes. And this is the sort of the sort of chance where before the previous game where he netted two goals, he probably would have skied it or he might have got it on yeah. target, but straight at the keeper. But you feel like now that Jesus has finally scored, then he's just going to gobble these ones up. And he absolutely did do that. Yeah, he's getting into the right positions, isn't he? He's not like in the Leeds game, for example, he was too underneath the ball, wasn't he? And he couldn't quite direct it on goal. Um, this time he's perfectly in between the two centre-backs. And, and don't get me wrong, it still takes a, an absolutely quality ball to, to pick him out. But I think Martinelli had a really good game. Um, I think he... He was causing them all sorts of problems out there on the left. And, and one thing we were doing really well, especially in the first half, was those diagonal balls, um, finding either Martinelli or Saka in acres of space and allowing them to get into these one on one positions where they excel. Um, so yeah, um, I think we, we really did assert our dominance there in, in that period. And, and you have to do that in these big games because if you don't take your chances when you, when you're up, then, especially at Anfield, then you're not going to come away with anything. So it's um, really good to see that we, we managed to do that. Yeah. And so uh, a little bit later on, around the 40th minute mark, there was a, a key moment in the game, in my opinion anyway, where Xhaka gets a little bit of a, into a bit of a scuffle with, I think it was Trent. And... Ultimately, Trent ends up pushing him and they end up squaring up and Xhaka comes away with a yellow card. Um, this really riled up the home fans. And there's one thing you don't want to do, and it's give the, the home fans an excuse to get riled up, get rowdy, get loud, because it really ignites the Liverpool players. And we've seen it before in the past where Arteta had the little scuffle with Klopp. And moments later, we we sort of, well, not even moments later, just at, at every point past that moment, we looked no way near as strong and, and in, in control of the game. And, and likewise, that situation, moments after this Jackie Yellow card, Salah ends up um, putting one back uh, and, and getting it to 2-1. Now, don't get me wrong, it was... Um, a bit of a, a lucky goal, wasn't it? It was, uh, I think Jota overlaps, crosses for Henderson, who essentially tries to shoot, mishits it, and it sort of scrambles at the back post, and I think he just hits it off Gabriel, who just couldn't quite get to it. Um, but that goal, coupled with the, the reignited crowd, was just sort of the last thing Arsenal fans wanted, wasn't it? Yeah, it almost felt like it was a bit of a domino effect all from that moment. Um, but yeah, as you say, you don't want to give this Anfield crowd anything at all, really. And especially when you're 2-0 up, you're cruising in the game and, you, you know, you're, you're basically just not wanting to make any of these little mistakes which might give the crowd anything to try and 
get their get their players back and uh, fighting to salvage something. But um, there, there were a few warning signs even before that Xhaka moment. I think Rob Holding um, made a silly blind pass, which then Salah um, ended up getting played through and having a shot on goal. Um, and I think, you know, from that kind of moment on, that's when the frustrations were starting to get into the team. But it's, it's something that we shouldn't have even allowed them to get back into the game by having this moment with Granit Xhaka. But I, I do feel a bit for Granit Xhaka just because, you know, if if he doesn't go for these kind of, you know, the, these these um, these moments, people will say, well, you need to be competitive in this kind of game. And he's not showing a competitive side. But then when he does become quite competitive and it has a bit of a, a backfire, a, a, like a, 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 an ignition for the crowd, then it then looks bad on him because it looks like he's igniting the crowd of Anfield. So it, it's a double-edged sword, really. Um, but yeah, I think it was probably the, the wrong decision to lash out, get the fans up. And as, as, we, yeah, as we saw, Liverpool managed to pull one back quite scuffily, really. But... Um, you always you always know when you go away to Anfield that you're not going to have the rubber of the green for the whole 90 minutes. Even if you are 2 nil up and you're cruising, there is going to be a period of time where they put on a bit of performance. Even even Man City, when they um, they played Liverpool, I mean, I know this was at the Etihad, but um, they had a period of time where Liverpool were 1 nil up because this team is mm. not a team that you can dominate for a complete 90-minute period. And yeah, I think we were a bit naive in that moment. Yeah, I mean it's like in any away fixture, isn't it? That they're always going to have that that advantage um, with the crowd getting behind them, and you don't you don't really want to do anything like that in any game. But to do it at Anfield, the one stadium where they rely on their fans to get them through a lot of fixtures. I mean, if you look at their home and away record, it's it's chalk and cheese. Like they've only lost one game at Anfield all season. I think that was the Leeds. And, you know, it's an absolutely, it's a really tough place to go. So I was a bit disappointed, but I, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's he, he has to sort of stand up for himself to a degree. I think it was a little bit of a harsh yellow. I mean, you can't go up to, and square up to players like that, but ultimately Trent was the one that gave him a, a shove in the back. Um, so it, it seems a little bit strange that, that Granite's the one to, to get booked in that situation. But, you know, that's just the way it's going, gone there. Um, so, moments later, the halftime whistle goes. I would say Arsenal are, you know, deservedly ahead after playing really, really well. We're going to be frustrated to have conceded just before the break. Um, Martinelli and Jesus, uh, Jesus, sorry, I think they were really, really impressive. Uh, Gabriel as well at the back, I think he dealt with... Um, Salah in particular, um, very well. Um, he, he won't get any change out of uh, Gabriel. Um, and there was also some some sort of controversy at halftime, wasn't there? I don't know if you saw the um, the footage of the linesman sort of lashing out towards Andy Robertson and gave him a little elbow, it appeared. Did you see yeah. this? Yeah, I thought that was really strange, to be honest. Um, I know Robertson, he, he grabs the linesman, doesn't he? Um, and then that causes him to have a bit of a last shoot. I can see both sides, really, because we, we saw Mitrovic getting sent off and getting a red card for doing a similar kind of thing to a referee. I know he gave him more of a push, but the the, uh, the whole reason why he's got this lengthy ban is because you shouldn't put your hands on a referee. 
So for Robertson mm. to, you know, replicate that and do the same, I think, you know, he's asking for a bit of trouble. But I think the linesman reacting in the way that he did was also out of order. And I, I'm pretty sure mm. he's going to get, going to have some um, questions to answer following the game and maybe have a bit of an inquest into it because, you know, you can't do that as a professional referee. You can't swing an elbow out. Even if a player is pressing you, you've got to take control of the situation and maybe card him if he's being too much for dissent or whatever. But you can't mm. lose your rag like that and chuck an elbow out. It's it's unprofessional, isn't it? But um, yeah, mm. I, I think it would have been nice if they could have sanctioned Robson because I think, was he already on a yellow by that point? Or No, he got a yellow for that incident, didn't he? Um, he should but, have had a yellow though. I, I... Yeah. I don't know how he got away with not having a yellow in that in that first half, you know, in normal time. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I mean. It, it, he should have had a yellow, and then that could have been the mm. the uh, thing to change the game. I think there was a lot of incidents like that as well, especially in the first half where players got away with not getting yellows. Um, and then it, it sort of sets a precedent. But then in the second half, there was a lot of yellows that got dished out. So, you know, it's, it's mm. Paul Tierney doing Paul Tierney things, really, isn't it? With it's it's a weird um I, d- I don't like to focus too much on the referees but Paul Tierney is is the referee that we had at Man United when we saw that Martinelli uh, goal get overturned I think we've lost the last five games that he's refereed is or something crazy like that so I mean at least we've uh, changed that statistic to say the least but um yeah yeah it, it was a, a mad moment at half time um and I'm sure at half time Arteta drilled it into the boys saying look don't get don't get drawn drawn in by the occasion. Try not to get into yeah. these little scuffles because that's exactly what they want, and they want us to overcommit and um, concede these these moments so that we can get ourselves back into the game. Yeah, exactly. And I think when that halftime whistle went, I think you'd say most Arsenal fans were quite happy because it was just one of those periods of, of the game where we just needed to get in, reset, recalibrate, and, and sort of pick up where we. Um, started from essentially in this game because we really were controlling the the game. Liverpool couldn't get the ball off us at, 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 for most of that first half, um, and it was just yeah, it was just that a crucial period where they just the last five minutes of the of the half where they really started to come into it. So yeah, I think uh, it's pretty happy when the halftime whistle went allowed us to to get the game plan back on track, and that's kind of what I was hoping for in that second half, but. We didn't seem to come out with the same intensity, did we? It, it was. Um, it seemed like the the occasion sort of got to us a little bit, um, and we weren't quite pinging the ball about as quickly as we were. And um, and then in the fifty fourth minute, um, Rob Holden deemed to have fouled uh, Jota in the box, and <sighs> I'm not sure about this one. Um, it seemed it was a clumsy challenge from uh, Rob Holden, no doubt. But the way Jota just sort of throws himself to the ground, it's just, uh, um, I didn't quite like that. Um, and for me, karma, uh, when Salah duly missed his penalty. What were your thoughts on all this? I'd be keen to find out. So... I thought the whole situation was just a bit strange, to be honest. The whole penalty shout mm. um, as a whole, because y- you see that the ball was, uh, the ball comes in and then it, it's broke free, and you see that Holdings running to go and get the ball, and Jota 
he basically throws himself in the stride of holding holding doesn't even really yeah. make a challenge on him he's just you know running towards the ball he doesn't tackle him he doesn't push him he doesn't do anything he's just continuing his stride uh to jota who is not seen because he's behind him and jota doesn't actually go for the ball or anything he literally throws his legs in front of holding and then because holding is coming through from behind him he then takes him out so it's it's a really strange one because it, for me it doesn't look like it's it doesn't look like he's made a challenge it looks like he's he's simulated it um uh but I think once this has been given by the referee, then VAR is not going to overturn it because there's clear contact. Um, and yes, there's clear contact. Yes, it's enough contact to bring him down. But I do think the Jota instigated it and simulated it. So it's you know, difficult. And as you say, I was absolutely fuming that he gave that penalty. And to see it just glide past the post was I actually thought he'd scored when he when he initially shot I, I thought oh he's nestled that in the corner and then when I saw it whisk past mm. the post I was like oh oh wow <laughs> this this actually might be our day but that that was definitely the start of some warning signs from this game wasn't it yeah that's two in a row now Salah's missed so he's having a little bit of a, a nightmare in front of goal in, in terms of penalty shootout so or penalty kicks I should say um so yeah, it, it was that point where I thought, you know, could this really be the the moment that could reignite Arsenal? And because we were, you know, looking not controlling the game nowhere near as what we were doing, and I thought, could this be the moment that deflates Liverpool and gets us back into the game a little bit? Um, similar to the, if you remember last season against Man United at the Emirates, where Bruno Fernandez missed. Um, his penalty kick and it seemed to really reignite Arsenal uh, and push on for that for that win in the end. I thought it could be something like that, but um, we just couldn't seem to get like a foot in the game. Um, and I can't really think of too too many clear cut chances for Arsenal in 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 the next sort of half an hour. Can you? No, I think. After after he'd missed this penalty, as you say, you were expecting Arsenal to then kick on and stamp their authority back on the game. To you know, we, we've we've weathered the storm, so to speak, for that um, for that moment, and then we can kick on and hopefully see it out. But I do think there was some weathering to then uh, <laughs> to then partake in for the next ten to fifteen minutes. Um, Liverpool had quite a few opportunities. One most notably falling to uh, Salah on the right-hand side, which he shot straight at Ramsdale, who made a good parry away. Mm. But they, they were they were knocking on the door um, a little bit, Liverpool, in, after they'd scored that penalty, um, really feeling like they could mm. try and chase and get something from the game, which it was quite worrying, especially as we'd been so dominant in the first half. We had a bit of a slip-up, and then we'd come out of come out the second half not looking like we had in the first half, and then conceding mm. these chances, conceding the penalty, I was starting to worry a bit as an Arsenal fan, um, feeling like they were going to get themselves back into the game. Yeah, it seemed as if Arteta had the same thought process as well, because it looked like he he needed to make some subs, and that's what he did. Except for the substitution was Trossard, which, yeah, I get completely. Jesus, you know, he's not 100% match fit, let's say. Um, although he's getting there or thereabouts now. Um, so I got the Trossard one. Um, but Kivior for Odegaard, 
That, for me, goes down as one of the weirdest substitutions I have seen all season. Um, uh, I, I don't know if we were... It was clearly going for a five at the back, but then I don't know where Kivior... He didn't really slot in where he was meant to because within the first minute of him coming on the pitch, he just sort of flies out the block and misses... A clear challenge, or I don't know who it was. It's Fabinho, I think, um, which gave them a really, really big chance. Um, I don't know what this was, a rush of blood moment, you know, like rising to the occasion, but in the wrong way. Um, but that could have been an absolute blunder for Kivior, couldn't it? Yeah. Uh, and uh, what we've not really seen too much of Kivior yet. And the time for him to be bled into the team. Um, is definitely not the 79th minute at Anfield when you're 2-1 up, up and you're <laughs> conceding a lot of pressure. That's not the best time. To, and to also change the shape by taking Odegaard out and then making it a bit more of a negative shape, which it can work in both ways. It's either, you know, you're um, trying to solidify the defence. However, you're going to concede more possession and more chances because you're basically negating our midfield threat of Odegaard, who... Mm. I think Odegaard, to be fair, he was pretty good in the first half, but he looked like he was running out of steam by that point. So I, I'm guessing that's maybe why yeah. he made the change. But for me, I probably would have brought um, brought a Jorginho on just so we still had that experience in midfield. We didn't lose anything midfield, and but you have someone that's a bit more defensive-minded than Odegaard. I, I would have done that rather than trying to rejig the whole shape because, yeah, as we saw... Kirill, he started off, he came on and then he was in like the right side of centre-back and then a few minutes later he was in the left side of centre-back and then he was mm. dead central. It's almost like there wasn't any instruction for where he should be and then you saw Holding and Kirill overlapping each other because they didn't know who was meant to be where. It just caused a little bit of chaos mm. at the back and something that we, uh, we, sh we sh really shouldn't be doing and messing about with at that time <laughs> of a high-pressure game. But oh. I was gonna I was gonna give a brief mention just before Jesus went off to the audacity of this man who we're in a high pressure game, it's two one, and we're conceding all this possession, and the ball falls to him, you know, uh, in the middle of our half, and he juggles the ball two or three times and then does a no look pass through ball to Martinelli, which is exquisite. I just thought, wow, he's got a lot of bottle to do that in this sort of game, and that's absolutely why we love Jesus, isn't it? That was a yeah, that was a perfect pass, wasn't it? And shame that we couldn't uh, capitalise from it. But um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah, a bit of a chaotic moment. Uh, and I completely agree with you. Jorginho was the player there that should have come on. He could have just shored up that midfield, which was it was just a key battle in this game. We've got Holding at the back, who is really, really good aerially. And that's what they were doing. They were slinging in crosses and hoping that it just sort of drops and, and pinballs around a little bit. That was their only game plan towards the end. Um, and, you know, Gabriel's no slouch in the air either. So I don't think we needed an extra centre-back. It was, if anything, making it more chaotic and, and making it harder for our centre-backs to be able to get on the end of these things. And we almost paid for it as well. Um, so... Really, I hate to say it, but really poor substitutions from Arteta. And not only that, I think it was quite evident to me that the more pressure Liverpool were putting on us in them last 15 minutes, 
the more Zinchenko was sort of being isolated in one-on-one situations, which is not what we want. You know, Zinchenko is a, a brilliant player, um, but we all know his weaknesses and, you know, being isolated one-on-one is, is one of them. And that's what where he was getting caught out at quite a lot. So if we'd have got Tierney on just a little bit sooner, you know, just five to ten minutes sooner, um, that could have just shored up that area. Um, yeah. And then before you know it, 87th minute, um, Zinchenko is isolated out there um, on the on the byline. Trent beats him, uh, sort of takes it round him. Uh, dinks a, a, a cross to the back post and Firmino, our sort of nemesis, it seems, um, has scored <laughs> again against Arsenal, uh, who heads it home with, with just three minutes of normal time to go. Um, gutted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely gutted by that point. And I completely agree with you about what you're saying about Tierney. Um, I think if he's gone with the decision to make that back five and he's going to try and make such a defensive line, then there's no point in even having Zinchenko in that back five because he's our dominant player. He's who slots into midfield. That's his strength. If you're going to go with that technique, if you're going to go with that formation and you're going to drop to have five at the back and bring Kivior on, you need to swap Zinchenko out for, for Tierney. You know, the, the substitutions I would have made in that in, instance is I would have, yes, I would have brought on Trossard, um, but I would have swapped Odegaard for Jorginho and I would have swapped um, Zinchenko for Tierney, all, all in the same substitution. But for whatever reason, he didn't go with that. I don't know, maybe the occasion got to Arteta's head and he was making a bit of a rash decision. But um, yeah, but it, even before um, uh, Firmino came on, we had that great chance from Gabriel, didn't we? He, he, the ball fell to him right on the peno spot and he, he had a chance to to beat Alisson, yeah. but he hit it straight at him. And that would have been such a great moment for it to get to 3-1. Um, and then you're really looking at just seeing the game out. But unfortunately, we did see our nemesis. Uh, <laughs> you know, with Liverpool, I always fear that either Jota or Firmino are going to score because they always do. And it just mm. seemed written in the stars when Firmino came on. But um, Alexander-Arnold, he he has been lacklustre for a lot of this season. And you really don't expect him to be uh, knocking it past Zinchenko there, do you, on the left-hand side? But he did. And then you knew when he has that time and space, he's going to put in a good delivery. And um, yeah, just fell to Firmino. And there wasn't really much we could do about it by that point when it got to, got to Firmino. And really unfortunate to bring it back to two all. And you felt like all of the hard work that we'd brought into this mm. game to, to try and shore it up and to try and see it out. It, it really gone to pot, to be honest, because you're thinking we've changed our shape. We've gone pretty negative. We've now conceded so that we're drawing uh, and we don't really have much to be able to come back in this game, do we? No, no, I, I really do believe it was a, uh... It was a game won with substitutions and lost also, um, which is the the most frustrating thing really. But um, yeah, that's how it goes. Um, they got the equaliser, and then you start to have a bit of squeaky bum time because they're on the up. They they've they've clawed it back from two nil down to two two. They've got you know a lot to fight for. They want the winner. The crowd are, are absolutely raring to go. Uh, and 
and we have got to essentially hold on now, uh, it seems. And you're going to have to help me with this bit because I was absolutely all over the place. I didn't know where to watch. Um, but essentially, the first effort on goal that Ramsdale made an absolutely brilliant save. I think it was Salah who curls an effort in. It sort of dinks or clips Gabriel's um, back and is really heading towards that top corner, isn't it? And he just gets a little bit of a glove on it and just tips it over. Um, an absolutely world-class save. The commentators were doing the classic, oh, <laughs> moment. <laughs> um, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. Um, so that's the first one. Um, amazing save. The second one, I'm struggling to remember now. I've, you have to help me out. So, yeah. So, so Ramsdale makes that unbelievable save, which, you know, following their equaliser, I think Gary Neville, even though I don't agree with him a lot of the time, he said in this moment, it was like, the pressure that Liverpool are put on an Arsenal, you just need to take your point and run with it kind of thing because you yeah. need to make sure you do not concede again because you need to get something from this game. So, yeah, Ramsdale makes that unbelievable save from Salah, which was deflected and it was going posted stamp, really, and um, unbelievable save. And then the ball comes in again um, and it's met by Kunate, who's probably the player that Liverpool want the least in that position. And he's about three yards out. And he opts to chest the ball into the net for some reason. He, he probably could have headed it or gone with his foot, but he opts to chest it, which takes all of the sting out of the ball. And then just before it goes over the line, Ramsdale comes across again like a cat and saves it for a second time. And then, yeah. you know, that's two absolutely world-class saves within 30 seconds to a minute. And the ball then spills out to, um, to us for a counter-attack, which is... Then met by Martinelli on the left wing, and you with three on one at this point, and Bakayo Saka is in acres and acres of space. All Martinelli needs to do is just play this ball through to Saka. It's a pretty easy ball to be honest. It's not too difficult. It doesn't have to beat any Liverpool players. Um, I'm sure you've all seen the screenshots online of the ball that he needs to play, um, but he just overhits it. Um, to the point where Saka can't even meet it and then Alisson gets on the end of it and is able to clear. Mm. But you felt like in all of that chaos and all of those moments that we had ridden our luck to have not conceded to then get that chance. Oh my God, what a moment it would have been if Martinelli managed to find Saka with that pass. And uh, you, you were sure that Saka, if, if Saka was able to get there, then he probably would have converted and uh, made it 3-2. Just you describing it there, and and I'm, I'm sort of like reliving it in my mind, and it's it's so painful, isn't it? Because that would have just been beautiful. That would have gone down in the history books. We'd be talking about it for the next fifty years. Like, oh, it's such a shame. Um, but you know, we've got a got to compartmentalize it, like we say, and, and sort of look at it in the bigger picture. And um, I think to sustain all of that pressure in the last whatever minute, 15 minutes or whatever it was, where it was just relentless to come away from Anfield um, with a point um, in that situation, we've got to be pretty happy. Um, and who knows this point could in theory be crucial in this title race. Who knows is still 
a fair few games to play, so we won't know now, but uh, it could be. It could be very big. And, yeah, um, yeah it was just a, a really strange one. Um, I, I, I've summarised it a little bit here, and I just feel like in the first half, we're in complete control, but when you're at Anfield, you're never in control, even when you think you are. Um, and those two astonishing late saves almost make it feel like uh, a point gained. Um, so ultimately, draw, would you say is fair? Yeah, I think overall um, a draw is fair. It's a game that we could have quite easily gone on to to win the game. We probably should have won the game after being 2-0 up. And I think we let Liverpool back into the game, which was naive on our part. Um, but you're never going to not have Liverpool at least have some opportunities when you're away at Anfield. So I think that was to be expected. So we, we, we could have won the game, probably should have won the game. But then when we ended up drawing, we more, well, <laughs> we probably should have lost the game at that point yeah. after, you know, conceding a penalty, uh, Darwin Nunez being through on goal, uh, which Ramsdale made a great save. The other two great last-minute saves, we probably should have lost the game in that instance. And then we also had our own opportunity to win it right at the very death. So it's one of those games which could have gone either way. And then it yeah. probably is somewhere in the middle, which is the deserved points, which we ended up getting it. We ended up getting a point from the game, which I think mm. on reflection before the game today, I actually predicted, I think we both predicted that we'd probably lose this game away at Anfield. So for us to you know, to for, to compartmentalise things and look at it objectively. We went to Anfield, we got a point, we got three points from earlier this season. So we've got four points from Liverpool. Um, it's something that we've not managed to achieve for a very long time. So it isn't a great mm. achievement in itself. Um, but yeah, it does really feel like it, it's quite bittersweet, isn't it? Getting that point after being 2-0 up in the game when you feel like you could have yeah. maybe seen it out and put more pressure on Man City. I, I think it hurts even more after seeing City absolutely thrash Southampton, um, push them to one side, and then the pressure is then on us to deliver and maintain that big gap, which we've not managed to do. So I think that's why it hurts even more. Yeah, exactly. And and the fact that we were three minutes away in normal time to for winning this game as well. It it feels like a bit of a sucker punch, doesn't it? But at the same time, we could have lost it, uh, you know, so you kind of just feel relieved to at least have gotten something from it. And, and yeah, like you say, that they've, we've got four points out of six from them. They've only managed one point out of six from us. And I can't remember the last time we've, we've stopped them getting that many points from, from us. So, um, there's clearly, um, sort of something changing there. You know, we've, we're beating Spurs away from home this season. We've, we're breaking all of these little um, sort of ducks, aren't we, like that we've had for so long um, going against us. So um, it's still positive signs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like you say, with, with... Sorry, you go. Sorry, what I was just going to add to that is something that we need to remember is the fact that when we've put pressure on teams towards the end of games um, in this season, there's been so many last-minute winners that we've had against, you know, we've had against Villa, against United, against Bournemouth. These are these are teams that we've managed to gain last-minute points against. Um, 
And in this game, it's important to remember that we didn't drop an extra point within the last minutes. We still managed to 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 come out with that one point. I know that we we unfortunately dropped the extra two, but it's still a point gain. It's it, it's we we've actually managed to come out of this game with something rather than with nothing, which is what was expected, especially after they'd brought it back to two two. So it, it's it's not all panic stations just yet and we we've been playing so well this season but fingers crossed we can uh, can hold out in the next game yeah and like you say in the prediction podcast that we did we both said that we we probably won't get anything from this game so we're already ahead of schedule if we're going by our predictions and with within our predictions Arsenal end up winning the league in both our eyes so <laughs> you know if you look at it from that perspective we're winning the league, boys. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, another thing as well that, that sort of uh, is interesting is that now the the, the table, it, it's essentially, it's in City's hands. But at the same time, it's also in our hands. So, and what I mean by that is that game against City is, is massive, isn't it? It's absolutely huge. And beforehand... A point there. This is if we beat West Ham at the weekend, um, and presuming they win their fixture as well. A point there puts us on level, and then their get their goal difference then puts them top of the table. So now, now a draw at the Etihad doesn't seem as appealing, does it? No, it doesn't seem as appear as appealing. Um, however, I feel like it would still be a good result for us to get that draw. I, I think. The absolute worst case scenario is to lose there, obviously, is to lose there. But it's it's just something that we, we can't do because we are still points ahead of them. Um, but they've got that extra game in hand, which I think, I don't know if we can just assume they're going to win it or not. I think if you do assume that they're going to win it, then yeah, draw is a bad result. Um, but I think if you're going to be champions and you're going to win the league, then you have to go into these games and you have to try and win them. Because, you know, you can't be hoping to draw games um, to win the league. We, we've got to try and win this and beat City. And if we do end up beating West Ham and then beating Man City, we could be sat here in a couple of weeks with a, a massive gap and saying how we, we've recovered from this uh, from this draw against Liverpool. So uh, it's, it's so difficult. Everything's so tight now. And especially when we think back to, you know, a few, few days ago, a few weeks ago, we're, we're looking at how can we even falter this um and then for it to so quickly turn around and we're uh, in a position where it's pretty much in man city's hands it's it's quite worrying but um mm. uh, i don't really i don't really know how this my emotions can cope with that game it's going to be it's going to be I an know. awful 90 minutes the whole time that we're playing them i hope we we can learn from some of the mistakes we made in this game um, I know the Etihad's not quite the same beast as Anfield in terms of atmosphere. So fingers crossed any riling up and things like that don't affect the game too much mm. in the way they affect the game today. Um, but hopefully we can learn a few lessons. We might have Saliba back by that point, which I think will be absolutely massive if we're able to have him back in the fold for that game. Um, and yeah, it would be made the best team win, I think. Probably winner takes all. Yeah. I mean, this game was nerve-wracking enough. I don't know how we're going to be able to cope with that fixture. I'm, <laughs> I'm really, really dreading it. It's just, 
it's it's almost like torture to watch it. It shouldn't be. I should be enjoying it. I should, but it's 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 tough. Um, but yeah, before that fixture, we've obviously got uh, West Ham um, on Sunday at two o'clock. So, um, do you think it'll just be? I mean, we both went for wins, didn't we? In the predictor, it's away from home, so we're at the London Stadium. Yeah, do you, do you think this will just be um, a case of getting our full strength team out and sort of going all guns blazing, or do you think we might be a little bit more cautious, knowing that that City game is round the corner and we could have, you know, super fit rested players for that? Because West Ham aren't in the best of form at the minute. They've recently just got battered. I can't remember who by. Uh, was it Newcastle? Maybe. Um, yeah. So, you know, then they're not looking great. A um, couple of injuries here and there as well. So maybe we could afford to rest. Who knows? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, for me personally, I would want to rest in any game, really, <laughs> coming towards the end of the season. I feel like every three points is worth the same as in each game as, as any. Um, I know it's super important to try and get a great result against City, but I feel like if you lose against West Ham and then beat City, then that's just as bad as beating West Ham and losing against City. So you've got to go out there, you've got to try and win, and you've got to get the put out your best team to get those three points. Um, West Ham, as you say, they've been in pretty bad form, but I think after they did get battered by Newcastle, they beat Southampton, didn't they? So they've won in their last game. So fingers crossed they don't bring that into uh, bring that small form into the game against Arsenal, um, a team that we've. Mm. Traditionally, we've done quite well against, but we've struggled through the fixtures kind of thing, um, especially away from home because they've been so good in the last few years. But um, as we've seen this season, they've not really been anywhere near that kind of uh, standard that they set. So I feel like it's a game that we should and will get three points in. Um, and it's interesting to see that Man City... They're playing against Leicester City in their next fixture, uh, which is sandwiched between two Champions League games against Bayern Munich. So I think if mm. any team is going to rest players, it will probably be, probably be them. However, seeing their squad depth and their bench and rotation options, them resting players isn't really resting players, is it? So, <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, they, they could have a bit of a new manager bounce, Leicester. Who knows? I think Jesse Marsh is... Um... The ex-Leeds manager is tipped to take the job there at Leicester. So who knows? Um, maybe they could throw a spanner in the works and really help us out. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we've covered about just everything. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? No, I can't really think of anything. I think just to summarise today, we, we went to Anfield. We got a point, albeit after being in a winning position and we dropped two points, but on reflection, it does seem like it's a point gained. And um, yeah, just, just happy to now have this fixture out of the way, which was looming over us for ages and to be able to focus on the next and hopefully beat West Ham at the weekend. Brilliant. Okay. So that's it for a, another episode of the Arsenal Ramble. Um, like Dom just said, join us for that podcast. Um, the post-match podcast against West Ham. That will be at some point uh, Sunday evening. So until next time, take care.
You're listening to the Arsenal Ramble. 